We're back with Backstory. I'm Peter Ronoff. I'm Brian Ballow. And I'm Ed Ayers. Today on the show, we're getting ready for Valentine's Day with a look at the persistent and sometimes pernicious role of sweets in American history. In 1878, a chemist in Baltimore made an unexpected discovery while experimenting with coal tar derivatives. He licked a white powder off his finger and found that it was sweet. He named it saccharin. It was the first artificial sweetener. Today, artificial sweeteners are a restaurant staple, thanks to calorie-conscious dieters. But when saccharin was first discovered, low-calorie was not a term of praise. Consumers liked sugar because it had calories, because it was pure and delivered a quick energy fix. Many Americans at the time saw saccharin, by contrast, as a chemical adulterant, even a poison. But that began to change during World War II, when sugar was strictly rationed. Carolyn de la Pena has written all about this. She told me that many American women began experimenting with saccharin out of necessity. Some of the research that I did was looking into advice columns in local newspapers. You know, how, what do I do? I need to stew tomatoes, and I, I don't have enough sugar. I, I really want to make a treat. And, and women start giving each other advice about, well, you can go get these little pills in these bottles because although saccharin was vilified in the progressive era, it was kept on the market as something you could use if you were a diabetic, so you could find it in the, in the five and dime. Now, be honest, were they slipping some of this into their coffee as well? <laughs> sugar was something that had to be for everybody else, right? So there, sugar was for soldiers, and that's why you rationed it. Sugar was for your husband because he needed a sweet treat. Sugar was for your kids because they needed the caloric energy and the happiness. And it wasn't for you. So women actually wrote to each other through these advice newspaper columns and said, well, what do I use? Where does my sweet come from? And found in artificial sweetener something that they could have for themselves that didn't really have value for anybody else. Does that continue after World War II? After World War II, we get the first real national set of commodities that are artificially sweetened and that are called diet. And for that, I think the story is really well told around a, a brilliant entrepreneur, um, one of the first to see the, the potential in saccharin, and that's Tilly Lewis. And Tilly ran a, a company called Tilly Lewis Foods. It was a canning company. And what Tilly did was she saw these flyers from pharmaceutical companies that had developed these products and were looking for markets. And she began to add them to her line of jams and jellies and tomatoes. And she came up with what she called the 21-day diet with sweets campaign. Uh, and she went across the country, and she was featured in women's newspapers, uh, sharing that there, there wasn't a need for willpower anymore. <laughs> you could actually indulge yourself in all of the saccharin-laced sweet products you wanted, and you would lose weight. And that message was one that was picked up by other entrepreneurs, most importantly, Jean Neidich at Weight Watchers. And that's when saccharin really became the primary way you could make a good choice, a diet choice. Now, things are going fine for the saccharin industry and for products that we're using it. Yet, we know that in the 1970s, uh, saccharin kind of developed a bad reputation. What happened? Well, the FDA attempted in 1977 to ban saccharin. They had 
gotten research in that suggested that in large quantities, saccharin could cause cancer. And so they set up a period of public comment, and consumers revolted. Millions of consumers wrote directly to the FDA and to Congress and to the president and said, don't you touch my saccharin. I can't live without it. In these letters, when you read them, they're mostly written by women. A lot of them are written on flowered stationery. A number of them say, I have never in my life protested anything. This is 1977. (laughs) We've come through the 60s and we've come through Vietnam. And at this moment, this is the moment that they're going to protest. And during that period of public comment, people at the FDA remembered that they never in their career and ever would again receive such fervent letters in protest of their recommendation as the massive defense of saccharin that American consumers embarked on. Well, where did this come from? Was this a spontaneous response, or was this the saccharin lobby that was uh, drafting these letters for for these folks? Well, there actually were little ads that you could cut out in um, most major American newspapers that were sponsored by something called the Calorie Control Council, which was a— Sounds like something under Obamacare. (laughs) It was a group of artificial sweetener manufacturers that worked together to help market expansion. So yes, consumers were directly educated by those who stood to gain by selling more saccharin, that this was an infringement of their rights, that this was the government stepping on their toes, that they needed to fight back. But I don't think that fully explains the story. I think you also have to realize in the 1970s, you know, there were very popular books about the health effects of sugar. You know, that sugar causes disease, sugar causes attention deficit disorder, sugar is the, you know, the primary bad thing in the American diet and must be eliminated. And on the other hand, you had organizations like Weight Watchers that were giant industries based on telling women, you have a craving for sweets, you can't control your craving for sweets, you can control it by using our substitute food products. Hmm. And these substitute foods will keep you safe. So It's a society where a significant number of people are addicted to sweet, and they believe that the only kind of sweet that will allow them to have health is artificial sweetener, and the fear of cancer cannot combat that. What comes of this battle? Who wins? Uh, Consumers win, if that's a win for consumers. Uh, The period of public comment is extended and extended. The letters keep coming in. And eventually the decision is made by by Congress to continue to keep saccharin on the market. I want to just ask you, we're in the midst of an epidemic that some people feel is fueled by the overconsumption of sugar. Um, weren't these people kind of right? Unfortunately, we don't have research that shows us that consuming artificial sweetener leads to weight loss. We consume more sugar as a nation now than we used to consume, and we consume artificial sweetener, and we consume corn syrup on top of it. Artificial sweetener is much sweeter, whether it's 200 times or 500 times sweeter than sugar. So as we acclimate to these diet products, we also develop more of a taste for sweet. And our whole palate 
has been sweetened. And certainly the addition of artificial sweeteners has helped do that. Mm -hmm. But I think also we have to think maybe our bodies are smarter than we think. And when we take in sweetener that's not attached to calories, that we go looking for those calories later Mm -hmm. in craving carbohydrates. So research that's emerging now actually shows that artificial sweetener leads more frequently to weight gain than weight loss unless it's in a very controlled environment. Why did you write this book? Uh, I wrote this book for my mother. (laughs) I grew up in a house in the 1970s and 1980s that had substitute everything. (laughs) I can't believe it's not butter, crystal light, Mrs. Dash, diet sodas. And I think my mother, and along with a lot of women from that generation, just really heard the message that, you know, your desires are out of control Mm -hmm. and you can't trust yourself. And so we're going to change your food and then you can trust your food. So I, I wrote this book so we would understand that maybe we're not full, that maybe all that artificial sweetener in our diet, you know, it's, it's a quick fix, but that it might just be okay to go back and look at caloric sweeteners and have a little now and then. Carolyn De La Pena is a professor of American studies at the University of California, Davis. She's the author of Empty Pleasures, the story of artificial sweetener from saccharin to splendor. <laughs> 